Life Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth, because life's too short for any of us to live enslaved. I'm Jody Bailey. And I'm Kelly Campbell. And here at Faith Over Fear, we're passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. We'd love to connect with you online or on social media. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Today we're continuing our series of episodes on the life of Abraham as we examine the various fears he experienced and how God met them with grace and love. God is so grace-filled, and you see it so much in the life of Abram, who will soon be Abraham as we go along. But you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes things are going so well that is there a bad thing waiting for me just around the corner? And I know it's not logical that I... I'm fearing that God will not come through on his promises, even though he always has in the past. Have you ever felt like that? I sort of know how that feels. (laughs) When I was in college, my family walked through a season that we often said felt like Job's story in the Bible. One tragedy after another after another. I'm very close to my extended family, and I've often said that my aunts and uncles were like my parents and my cousins were like my siblings. So it was hard on all of us when in the span of about a year, Two of my aunts and an uncle received cancer diagnoses, and on Christmas Eve, my uncle actually passed away. We were still reeling from that when at Easter, my grandmother was rushed into surgery for an emergency quintuple bypass. Then just two months later, my aunt passed away. That one rocked me the hardest because she was the mother figure in my life and the one I talked to and I needed someone who'd always been the rock for me when things were kind of shaky. And on top of everything else, that entire season, it just devastated me. My now husband and I had moved our wedding date from the next June to the coming November, hoping that she would be able to be there, but it wasn't to be. I found myself clawing to hang on, scared to hope for anything. As someone who already dealt with crippling anxiety and fear, I found myself scared to even be happy. I knew God was there. That was something I never doubted. But I wondered why everything was happening like it was, why he'd allowed so much to come at us all at once. But here's the thing. In the midst of that time, so much beautiful and good happened. My other aunt survived cancer. I graduated from college. I took my first teaching position. I got married. In everything, God was still present and still moving and still blessing. But in the midst of the tragedy and the waiting, I couldn't hold on to the good. I could only flinch every time the phone rang, expecting the next bad thing. 
I wondered why I should pray and if it really mattered. I couldn't help but wondering, even though I knew God was there, if he was really going to move because my focus was all wrong. It was on my circumstances instead of on him. My goodness, Jody, nobody would blame you for that at all. That is a rough season of life. And the great thing, one of the reasons I love the Bible so much is that we have these very strong men and women, spiritual leaders of the faith, like Abraham, who go through the same thing. Last week, we talked about Abraham's victory because he had just faced this huge crisis in chapter 14, where his nephew, Lot, chose poorly, got himself into a situation, got caught between warring kingdoms and was taken captive. And so Abram had to send out his army against these huge, large prepared armies, but he came out victorious. And the high priest king, Matilzadat, who's the only high priest king in the Bible and really points to Jesus, blessed him. And I mean, that was unbelievable. But kind of like what you were saying, once the excitement kind of died down, you know, he started getting despondent. He started getting scared. You know, Ava and I talked about this last week that he started thinking, oh my goodness, these kings that I didn't, they're going to get revenge on me. And then the king of Salem tried to offer him money for what he did and he wouldn't take it. And so in Genesis 15, 1, God himself speaks to Abraham and says, do not be afraid. I will defend you. I will give you the great reward. But how does Abram respond to that? Well, let's pick up at Genesis 15, 2. And in Genesis 15, 2, Abraham says, sovereign, of course, he's Abram at this point. He hasn't been renamed. But he says, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And I know that seems like a very bold question to be asking God, but we have to put ourselves in the historical and cultural environment of when this book was written and what was going on. This was a deep fear for Abram because in his culture, Having children and those descendants was a physical sign of God's blessing and favor. And since Abraham had not had any children, he felt that it meant he had no chance of having descendants to carry on his lineage and so that he would not be able to fulfill God's promises. Again, looking at the circumstance, not on God. Yeah. And, you know, we could beat ourselves up for our doubts and fears, but look at Abraham here. God had just blessed him, given him a victory, and appeared to him directly in a vision, yet he's asking questions. We need to cut ourselves just a little bit of slack when we have questions and doubts. Amen to that. So if we pick up in verse 4 of chapter 15, the Lord came to him again and said, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Isn't it awesome here? My interjection. God doesn't fuss at Abraham or give him a list of all the ways God's come through for him. He simply answers the question and reminds Abraham of the original promise. God understands our doubts and our fears and wants us to come to him with those. In verse six, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. He also said to him, 
I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. In the next four verses, God instructs Abraham on how to prepare a sacrifice, and Abraham obeys. Picking up in verse 12, as the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. I want to stop here. How incredible is that? And said, to your descendants, I give this land from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. And then he proceeds to set the boundaries of the land that he's going to give Abram. Remember what we talked about earlier. These verses immediately follow Abraham's defeating the kings and being blessed by Melchizedek. He's just had a triumph, has just heard God tell him that he is the great reward. And now he responds with doubt. Our faith or lack of faith is revealed in crisis, of which Abraham has just experienced. But this is the very important part of what Abraham does. He doesn't complain about God, but he goes to complain to God. We're free to talk to God about the things that scare and hurt us, even the things from his hand. It's part of why our God is so awesome. We have a relationship with him. He cares about what's happening with us, even when we struggle to understand things ourselves. We don't have to fear being honest with him. The truth is he already knows. Notice that before God made the covenant, He set aside Abram's fear and doubt by a word of assurance. Do not be afraid. I am your shield. When the Lord promised Abram that his reward would be great, the patriarch immediately asked what he would receive since he was childless. This shows his faith. Abram still had only one hope, the original promise God had given him. And I love how the author of Genesis, which was most likely Moses, did not shy away from recounting Abram's fears and doubts. You know, Jody, I think all too often some believers are taught that mature Christians, that good Christians, never can convey resentment, especially towards God, because they'll anger God or they will project doubt to non-believers. But it's my experience that in expressing pain to God, that's what starts the healing process. I can tell you personally that last year it was very hard for me. My anxiety and depression comes in cycles. It's almost like being on a roller coaster. I'll be really good for a long time, and then I will spiral down. And last year, I was spiraling, and it was a very dark time in my life. And I remember laying in bed. I had started 2022 with COVID. That was not a lot of fun. And then the war started in Russia and Ukraine. I have family members in the Ukraine we couldn't get a hold of. And then a few months later, we had that terrible school shooting in Texas, and I was done. I was done with people. I was done with this world. I just remember almost being angry, like, why do we exist? And a lot of whys and a lot of, God, what's happening? And I remember laying in bed one night. It's completely dark. I'm looking up at the ceiling, and literally the only thing I could pray was, ugh. I just, that's all I could say over and over. It's like, ugh. And But there was such a peace to that. I realized, you know, that Ugg was a perfectly acceptable prayer. In fact, in the New Testament, in Romans 8, 26, 
It says that in certain ways we are weak, but the Spirit is here to help us. For example, we don't always know what to pray for. So the Spirit prays for us in ways that cannot be put into words. And I just, I think that it's important to remember that that's okay. In those times like that, like you talked about, they're so dark and they can feel so hopeless and it's very hard to walk through them. But I'm glad you brought up the New Testament because God is God, Old Testament or New Testament. Although Christ brought a new covenant, the promises of God are eternal. It's important to note that in verse six of chapter 15, Abram believes and it's credited to him as righteousness. He believes despite his fears. Feeling fear is not a sin. Being paralyzed by it can lead us to sin, though. Here, Abraham is not taking any action at all, and yet God is already calling him righteous because of his belief. So true. And I, I really think that this passage, Genesis 15, 2 through 21, it fits the overall narrative of the Bible as it tells that story between the covenant between God and Abraham. By making that covenant with Abraham and promising him land and descendants in God's favor, it reminds us of the power of God's promises and the importance of trusting him. And the cool thing is that the promises that we see in this passage, we see repeated later in other biblical stories, such as Passover and Exodus. And this covenant gave comfort and hope to the early Jews and Christians because it provides an important example of how God's promises can be trusted and how God provides for his people. The other important thing is that this particular covenant, this Abrahamic covenant, was a unconditional covenant. When they would cut the animals in two and put them in the line, what they were supposed to do is each person was supposed to walk through the cut up animals saying that by doing this, I will keep my end of the bargain. And if I don't, I will die. But with Abraham being put into a sleep and it was God and his spirit that walked through, he was saying, I'm taking responsibility for both sides of this covenant. So it's an unconditional love. It's an unconditional promise that God gives to his people. And I think it's awesome that we can live on that promise and in his love. So let's pray about that. Father God, you are so kind and so patient with us. You understand when we don't understand. You listen to us when we cry out to you. You don't condemn or shame us when we doubt or fear or question. You love us and respond to us, even if the answers aren't always the ones we want. You know what's best for us, and we can trust that. Help us to trust you, Lord, to trust you when the timing doesn't match what we think it should, and when the answers don't come in the way that we think they should. You're still God. You still welcome us to talk to you, to sit with you, and you still meet with us to love us. Help us to draw near to you in disappointing times and to stay close to you when things are going well. Thank you for the amazing love that we can never understand, but that you continually pour out upon us. Thank you that nothing we do can ever change your love for us. It's more than we can comprehend, and we're so thankful for a God who sees and knows more than we do and who understands all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. I hope this episode deepened your understanding of God and helped you rest more fully in His grace. If you haven't already done so, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. 
And please be sure to share it on social media. We'd be very encouraged if you would rate it as well, because that helps others find it. And until next time, may you live with the courage of one who has truly been set free. Faith Over Fear is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. God invites us to cultivate thankful hearts by turning our eyes toward Him in good times and bad. To listen to more Abide Christian Meditations, just go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Christian Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.